his piano pieces were so dreamy. He wrote Claire de Lune and a bunch of other really famous oh, songs. Debussy. I thought you said Dave Busey. <laughs> Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 155, the North Wacker episode. This week, very happy to have on the podcast Day and Dream. Who are Day and Dream? That is a great question, and you are smart to ask it. Day and Dream are an indie rock slash dream pop slash shoegaze band from Asheville, North Carolina. They have been written up all over the place with uh, just a whole lot of positive reviews. Uh, Make sure to check the show notes for that. Peter and Abby were nice enough to uh, talk with me about their new album. So we're going to have half of it on this episode, half of it on the next episode. You can find their music at dayanddreamband.bandcamp.com and, of course, at all the streaming services. Here are Day and Dream.
Well, yeah, that's a, a bit of an older song that um, Abby and I had. We actually wrote that before the pandemic. And um, it's kind of like the idea when you're just trapped in your house and, you know, you feel like you, you know, did all the things you can do. And sometimes too much of a good thing, you know, can turn into a bad thing, which is why the song kind of starts all calm and goes to like chaos and back and forth. I don't know if you guys are superstitious, but did you write that song and then the pandemic came out and you're like, oh, man, if we hadn't written that song, maybe there wouldn't have been a pandemic. <laughs> Never thought of it like that. Oh, um, I sorry. think I am. <laughs> I think I am a very superstitious person, but I did write that like, gosh, maybe a year before coronavirus, and I was just feeling cabin fever, being at home um, more than I was used to, and um, you know, after the pandemic happened and everybody was in the same boat, it seemed like really silly not to release it, and it was actually the first song we recorded in quarantine, meaning we didn't go to a studio. It was the first song we did fully at our house. Um, we have a home studio called Fuzzy Forest, um, but typically we like to go somewhere, make a retreat out of it. But it seemed like we had to release it with everything mm-hmm. going on and everyone could identify with what we were going through, mm-hmm. if not more so. So you have a home studio. Um, how long have you had that? Oh gosh, let's see. A year or so. Like about a year or so. Yeah. yeah. Did you say this is the only song you've recorded in your home studio? No, that's not true. Actually, you know, Peter and I are so dialed into our parts. So our my vocals, all the keyboards, and all of Peter's guitars. We've done everything from the new album here as well. Oh, great. Almost everything, except for maybe one or two earlier songs. Just like one or yeah. Um, but it's just something that. You know, we used to always record for demo purposes mm, and, yeah. you know, everyone would always say like other musicians we played with, they say your demos sound like the finished thing already <laughs> because we're so locked into what we're trying to find in terms of sound. So um, just because of um, out of need, we just ended up recording things here. And it, it's nice because I know as a vocalist, sometimes there's such a time crunch at a studio because you're paying by the hour or by the day. Yeah. and. Yeah. A lot of antics go on in the studio, and before you know it, it's evening and time to go home, and nothing's been done. So it's really nice to be able to do that here at home. And especially for our sound, you know, it's very minimal, um, not too difficult, and I feel really comfortable recording here at home, obviously. You get to take your time, you yeah. know. And go in, and, like you can wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to spend 20 minutes doing this one thing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yet. yeah. You know, convenience. And it can be a curse though, too, because it's like you know, we're I'm definitely a perfectionist, so I can agonize over something. Whereas it's it'd probably be fine if it was in a studio, but because we can redo it as many times as we want, sometimes it's bad because yeah. I'll obsess over something that no one else <laughs> has a problem with um, and try to redo it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not always someone there to tell you tell you why are you redoing that? That sounded the best of anything you've done, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And all we have here is our dog and she's, she pretty much wags her tail. Everything we ask her, like, <laughs> right. was that good? Was it bad? Yeah. Still the tail's wagging. Right. <laughs> well, you're feeding her treats while you're playing it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit, you know, unparalleled.
Um, so this so. is a super emotional song about uh, my mother passing away. Um, that happened in 2016, and it was about a month after Peter and I got married. So it was a very tumultuous time, and um, we actually followed her last wishes, which was to release her ashes in Maui. So we went on this long trip um, to Hawaii in December of 2016, and I just remember that image so vividly when we like released her ashes. And uh, that's that's really what the song's about. Um, but not to be so specific, you know, I I always try to have lyrics that can apply to other people's situations. And um, I think for a lot of people, especially right now with everything that's happened, there's been a lot of mourning of something. Everybody's lost something. So although it's very specific to my grief and seeing like something dissolve into the ocean, um, I think it can, you know, specify the loss, the dissolving of lots of routines for people. That's interesting. How, how long ago did you say that was that you wrote that? Oh gosh. That, I mean, I probably wrote this song. I had the lyrics like a year after she passed away, <laughs> but I just wasn't quite ready to turn it into a song. And actually the beginning of the song, the breathing that you hear is my mom, um, in hospice. And, um, I remember when I was there with her in hospice that I thought she sounded like an ocean wave. And so I felt like I wanted to honor her that way um, in a song. So that's kind of like the water theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And oh, Peter cool. did such a great job with the, uh, the guitars on that, on the solo. I wanted it to feel, you know, sort of sad most of the song. And then at that part, I wanted the emotion of the grief and everything to come out like Hence the uh, the dirtier, the sound. pixie sounding yeah. <laughs> Joey Santiago kind of going for that, you oh. know, snarling sound. Have your um, have other members of your family heard the song? Um, they have. Yeah. Good reaction there. Um, I got you know, family always keeps it real. So mm-hmm. whenever there's um something we've done or an achievement, we've we've come up with the band. It's always just like oh. Like, what else is new? They kind of brush it off. But, mm. um, you know, I have one sibling and he, his first reaction was, oh, that's morbid because he didn't like how I put, like, our mom in the song. But I, you know, I, I thought it was honoring her and I actually think she would, she would like that. But his first reaction was like, oh, I, like, he didn't like it. But he said he did like the song, like, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys from? We, we're, uh, we live in Asheville, North Carolina. And that's mm-hmm. where we are right now. Um, but if you meant like originally, I, I grew up in New York actually. Yeah. 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 I, so I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, but I don't remember it because when I was three, my parents split up and my mom moved us to the Bay area of California. So I grew up mostly in like South San Francisco. Um, and then in Fremont, which is the suburb of the Bay area, kind of near Oakland. Um, yeah, I know where that is. It's a very sentimental, wonderful place. I, I uh, miss it dearly, although I don't know. Uh, I don't really have the words to talk about like what it seems to be becoming right now, and I feel really grateful to live here in Asheville. Oh, but yeah. um, but Peter visited when mm-hmm. I was moving, mm-hmm. um, and then we met in New York City. I lived there for quite a bit, and um, we, we lived together in Brooklyn for a few years, and then you know you get older, and you're like, uh, you know, 
might need to get a house eventually and things are really expensive and we kind of like checked out different places and liked it down here. So mm. here we are. <laughs> So this song is about Zoe helped write that one, right? <laughs> we, ta he's talking about a house guest. Um, some house guests from Brooklyn actually visited us and their daughter loves to hear me play piano. And so I was kind of strumming those chords around and um, 
just kind of writing that song and she she's like oh that's good and I said oh what should we call it and she said in my head and I said oh because there's a really well-known song from a band that sounds like us already that's called in my head so I said how about in your head Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, that's great. So actually, uh, when she's seven now, yeah. seven-year-old helped me write that mm-hmm. or come up with a title. Um, but lyrically, it's about um, health symptoms and wondering if they're real or they're not. I was just talking to somebody about that today. Medical student syndrome. Oh. Of, <laughs> when you hear so much about things, which everybody has now thanks to the Internet. I know, like with WebMD, you could just have one small thing, like it could be as small as a headache, and then you just go down that rabbit hole and you like, you automatically assume you're dying. So right. yeah, it's not been healthy, Right. Um, but especially with the pandemic and, you know, other things that have been going on with us, like, I think we've just been a little on edge, like what else could happen? You know, what else could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's worse than, um, cause I was talking to someone the other day about how, about the difference between. Uh, things like WebMD and the internet in general versus um, say even 40 years ago with uh, what were, I mean, I, I say folk remedies, but things that everyone would do, you know, that they don't know because there's no re- no way to look up, you know, so they would use things that don't really work because there's no way to check that out. So I, I guess there's kind of a balance to know <laughs> that like if you like, you know, um, just the way people would treat warts, you know, um, with just various things and they're just loading, loading them up with any chemical that's in the house. Um, because someone told them, Hey, put vinegar on it, you know, put vinegar and <laughs> salt or something like that. You know, they're basically creating a small vo- volcano on their hand to get rid of a <laughs> war or something. So it's probably a give and take there, I think. Yeah. I'm a big fan of those like ancient remedies <laughs> that you just, you hear someone say something and then you're like, oh, I'll try that instead. And I'm, I know I'm definitely the type who will avoid medicine or anything Western if I can help it. So, um, yeah, we like to try alternative things for sure. Yeah, with our health. Yeah. I mean, you want, you like, it's great if it, you want it, you want it to be sure. The preference would be that the, the uh, natural thing works and, you know, sometimes it does, but, um, but then sometimes it like, People put hydrogen peroxide on th- on their skin, you know, for to clean it. But that's really, really bad for you. They use hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> it's, you should not do it. That's the public service announcement for the podcast for today. <laughs> do not put hydrogen peroxide. More from Day and Dream in just a few moments. I forgot to mention the name of the album, which is called The Art of Remembering. It's a really great album. Make sure to get it at dayanddreamband.bandcamp.com. There's no way for me to go back and edit the name of the album in uh, at the intro, so I'll just say it again. It's The Art of Remembering at dayanddreamband.bandcamp.com, and also there'll be streaming links in the show notes, so make sure to look out for those. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Just search WNC Original Music wherever you get your podcasts, or go to wncoriginalmusic.com, or just Google WNC Original Music. And uh, I think it'll come up, probably. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with Laura Jane Vincent. A tortoise is just a turtle in a fancy suit. So we were both right. Hey, this is Annie Myers from Rooster. And you're listening to WNC Original Music. Okay, I want to do this real quick. This is, uh, I'm not like, you know, I don't particularly like to uh, 
pigeonhole people on their genre their music is, but I want you to give a three genre description of your music, but uh, separately, and we'll see how how close they match up. Like you might oh, say separately, yeah. Like you might say throwback power pop, you know, or um, you know, um, <laughs> new age metal, you know, that sort of thing. So it has to be three. Oh, fine. Three phrases. Three genres. Three genre, yeah, three genres, but you know they kind of build on each other. Like you might say, uh, '60s soul revival. I guess that's just two genres. But oh, nice. All right, I'm done. I got mine. You said that like you just been waiting for somebody to ask you. <laughs> like, I've been walking around thinking about this for days. Finally, somebody asked. <laughs> I just like games. Reminds me when I, I taught middle school mostly. So mm-hmm. there were always these times, but when I had time to kill, it's like, let me think of something to ask all these kids. Okay. 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 So what uh, we show you? Oh, uh, no, you just say it. Peter, what you, I trust you to, yeah, to read. Peter, what you got? I wrote 90s indie rock shoegaze dream pop. Oh, right. That's a lot of words. Oh, I thought it was three different ones. Or mine, mine is indie bedroom blanket. I think people just, I guess from reviews, people always keep telling us it's very comforting or music and it's like, Oh, okay. I like that. Is it, is that a, an existing genre blanket music? It's not, but, um, because I mean, like you know, I, I website, immediately thought of like 10, 10 musicians that that would apply to. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah I guess it's just that whole salve thing, the healing, because, um, I think I got that genre. I, I'm, I probably have made it up. Blanket. <laughs> I think so. But it, I mean, it's it's a great genre. Blanket music. I'm going to try to write a blanket <laughs> music song. Music, it's yeah. better than like the pillow in the face, you know, trying to suffocate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like that too. I didn't know that was a genre either. <laughs> pillow face. What are you saying? No, I have a drawing idea. We're a cow punk a pillow face uh, band. We, uh, This is turning into the more we, the more you talk, the crazier we look. Yeah. yeah. I'll stop. I'll stop talking. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Peter, I might have to ask okay. you to step out for a little while and just have her talking. Okay. <laughs> I'll, we're, we're both crazy. Oh, now. yeah. yeah.
<laughs> yeah, that that song's about um, our take of if if the end of the world is here, then you know we're all just gonna drink and dance and have fun. <laughs> That's why the song is very upbeat and more like uppity and joyful so i don't know that's that's what we're going for yeah i think in hindsight now you know that song was written at a very dark time for us because we had some very um dark family health news we were dealing with with peter's father and um it was like that choice of should we keep crying or we can maybe change things around and laugh and dance and so the idea behind the song and the feeling of it was the 60s apocalyptic party in France or Italy. So I love 60s culture mm-hmm. and I like to dress up that way. Um, and I was looking at an old uh, illustration by an artist named Shag and it's called It's All Over Now. And it's referencing the Rolling Stones song, It's yeah. All Over Now. So it's like art imitating art, imitating art. And um, for me, I was basing the lyrics and the feeling on that uh, piece of art. Um, And I also bartend at a wedding venue. So I did work pretty frequently during the pandemic. And it's an outdoor wedding venue, but we were very um, careful about everything. And it was just such a weird, weird job, weird time with like all these people celebrating yet there's so much darkness and terrible things going on yet. You wouldn't see it at, at my job. It was really joyful. Right. <laughs> they didn't want to bring that into the wedding venue, you know, here's the toast, but also don't forget outside these walls. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, most people were even drinking way more than before. So, um, so like, yeah. yeah, usually at cocktail hour, everyone's fine, but you know, with COVID, or during COVID, like during cocktail hour, we already had to watch and hold back a few people, from, uh-huh. you know, that yeah. they needed to sober up for a couple hours before they could come back. So that's not typical. I think that Rolling Stone song is a cover also. So you could add another imitating <laughs> art in there. You one more later. Nice. There you go. I think like it's, the never ending piece of art. <laughs> I might be wrong. I think it's Isley Brothers. Isn't I might be wrong. Double check me on that. I'll fact check myself on it. <laughs> um, can you guys tell me about your like musical training, musical history, evolution, any of those? Sure. So my whole family is super musical. And um, I know growing up in the Bay Area, there are lots of Asian American kids. And I'm sure it's not just cultural, but pretty much everyone I grew up with, their parents made them learn piano. Um, and I could not wait to learn piano. I love piano. So I had piano lessons since I was gosh, six, I think. And um, I was notorious for being very rebellious and not wanting to play the classical tunes my piano teacher kept giving me. And I would ask her if I could play Billy Joel and anything rock and roll, anything, Queen, the Beatles. And so she'd have to like sneak that in at the end of all these classical pieces Um, and my older brother also plays piano and he's also quite good. Um, but we were both classically trained so I can read sheet music and all of that. And then in elementary school, I played flute and violin. None of those I kept up with. Um, but mostly I've been a writer. So even at a young age, I've been very creative and writing my own songs and, um, I think that stems from my family, my uncle, um, 
was a guitarist in the Philippines and he played in many rock bands out there. Um, so I've kind of emulated him my whole life in terms of this band lifestyle. Um, but yeah, then I just joined bands um, in college mostly, but I've been writing for such a long time and I was doing a solo thing for a while, like me and a guitar at coffee shops. Um, and then something about college, I, I uh, went to UCLA and I just got really into band life and I liked the idea of a family um, that would all travel together, all play together. And mm-hmm. It just didn't seem as scary as being by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who do you think is the best um, piano player in like popular music? Oh, rock, gosh. rock and roll or however you want to describe it. That's a great question. I have to think about that. I mean, I was going to say like Elton John and Billy Joel come to mind, but I don't know if they're the best. Do you think Freddie Mercury is better than Elton John? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, he's, he's definitely a better singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, too. So I I would guess for overall vibe, probably Freddie Mercury. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd you are correct. That it, is a so. correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. Right. You're right. All right, Peter. Uh, Dave Busey is a classical composer, and he's mm. my favorite um, in terms of piano players, just because yeah. like his piano pieces were so dreamy. He wrote Claire de Lune and a bunch of other really famous oh, songs. Debussy. I thought you said Dave Busey. And I was oh, no, to... no. <laughs> That's a good name for a band. Now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, man. Okay. Uh, I called it. <laughs> Starting Dave <now>. Busey. It's <laughs> funny. All right. <laughs> There probably is already a Dave Busey, I'm sure. One of Gary yeah. Busey's many Gary children. Busey. Yeah. Oh, that would be team. amazing. Yeah. I'm going to go through all the classical comp- composers and see if I can make regular names out of their name. All right, Peter, what's your uh, musical journey? Sure. Um, well, let's see. I Man, when I was a little kid in elementary school, I started on the trumpet, and I just, um, at a very young age, I loved playing in the band. I loved music. And uh, definitely some musical people in my family, um, particularly on like my uncle was like that. And I have a cousin that's a composer actually for a living and it runs in the family. And then um, then around middle school or so, I was like, all right, I, I got less interested in trumpet and I picked up the guitar and I started taking lessons. And um, I really love that. I felt like I got pretty good at it. And I uh, played in a lot of rock and punk bands in my youth. Like, you know, I got definitely got into way more trouble than Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of a bad kid in some ways. Um, I'll leave it at that. You know, um, Abby, then, uh, Abby's given kind of a look like she's not, she didn't nod. She's just like, Hmm, you think that, do you? That's the wife, the wife look like, huh, I didn't know that. Right. I don't, I don't think Abby was partaking in like skate and destroy night and like going to backyard parties where everyone's drinking underage and like stuff like that. If you catch my playing heavy metal. Yeah, it's pretty goody too. Yeah. Is is Abby finding this out for the first time? Is she like. No, no, no. I've definitely heard some stories from her friends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I got really into the rock and roll life's all that at a younger age and then um and then at college i i took a uh, a course in a classical guitar and i really liked that too and that influenced me a lot just like new approaches to like finger picking and styles mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, and then you know, then later on, I, I I played, you know, dabbled more with music here and there with other with other bands that, you know, that I, I wouldn't say they really they were just more like a lot of like backyard kind of bands and playing local shows and bars. I, I wouldn't say it got really huge or anything like that. And then when me and Abby uh, met, you know, because my style was probably more heavier and really rock and aggressive, like talked about shoegaze and that what's interesting is i used to not really play with lots of pedals and effects Mm. and now i play with a ton (laughs) and it's like an unhealthy addiction so thanks to you you know um now i have that that problem but but no it's it's fun um and uh so yeah we 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 do a lot of we're always i'm always interested in like you know sound sculpting and getting different tones out of the guitar and it keeps me really like stimulated and i love i love doing that and bringing it forward with the band you know about people who are super stuck in life um which is a few people we know um just people paralyzed by fear and out of that fear they're worried to take a risk is it me mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? do you overanalyze things and overthink things no under Underanalyze, no. underthink. You underanalyze, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have that. Problem. No, 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 either way. Yeah, and this song uh, really came together super quick, um, and it's one of the songs. Whenever Peter plays the first few notes of that riff of that song, mm-hmm. our dog starts crying, like oh. wailing, and I, I, it's it's really interesting. I think she. <laughs> 
She's like, I, I don't know if the song makes her sad or if she really likes it, but it's just a wailing that she doesn't do with any other I, she's song. She's sad. She's definitely sad. Yeah, it makes her cry. It's like the <laughs> uh-huh. guitar makes her gently weep. I don't uh-huh. know. It's really sweet. <laughs> now you said you said this is about uh, uh, people. You know, certain people. Is that is that you mean like a type of person, or do you have actual people in mind you think of? And you don't have to mention mention their names uh, other than me. Uh, I just want, if it is a certain person, I want them to maybe think, oh, is that me? Are they talking about me? Or is it just people oh, yeah. in general that are like that? <laughs> well, I remember I saw this thing. On, I think it was on Instagram. It was a passage from a book, and it said, if you are wondering if I'm writing about you, I am. <laughs> and I think that all great writers do that. Um, so everything that, you know, that I'm writing about is from personal experience. And I think of all these songs as like cathartic journal entries in a way, but it is definitely about someone very specific. And, you know, sometimes it's amazing. The lyrics will just come out and it's only afterwards that I'm like, Oh, that felt good. Like, I guess I had to release that because I wasn't communicating that to that person. Um, But it came out through a song but that happens pretty often. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's like, uh, you know, kind of a psychological technique of writing a letter that you don't send to someone. Yes, so I've letter. done that a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, or a song that you never sing to someone, I guess. is <laughs> A painting that you never... You get it. <laughs> what are the... Um, you guys have a lot of musical... Uh, exposure, what are the weirdest or most unusual instruments you've ever played? Even just for fun. To fool around. Oh gosh, maybe the theremin. The theremin's kind of weird. Yeah, that, yeah, I can't even remember. We've come across a few of those. That Moog store downtown, I remember when we first moved to Asheville eight years ago, we had a good old time in there and they had a theremin. Oh, yeah. Do you know what's... They, it's called... Um, it's like the hand pan, but it has a Vietnamese name. Is it called the Hung or something like that, or Monk? And that's like that steel looks like a spaceship, and you hit it, and oh it's yeah, like, it's like oh yeah, that's kind of cool. an oddish, but I, yeah. I really like it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great to implement that because you know I think you know especially since we moved to Asheville, we've been much more into health and wellness and meditation, and I think that's the aspect of Asheville that would enter into our yeah. songs. And we joke oftentimes like, gosh, what if we just did like meditative music? Maybe that we'd be famous from that because it's just so yeah. easy for us to come up with it. But I bet you could, you know, there's, um, passion. <laughs> there's a, um, there might be more than one, but I know there's a yoga in the park group. Um, I bet they would love it if you came out there and did some meditative music sometime. They would for them. Oh, they'd probably be thrilled. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ask them first. Don't just, just, well, you know what? Don't ask them. Just show up and like, hey, it's the park. You know, what are you going to do? You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some group that would that would love for that to happen. Some yoga style group. In fact, um, I, I know that happened because a guy who was on the podcast one time, um, Nick Gonnering, and he used to do that. He um, he played guitar. He had played twelve string guitar, but he was uh, into a lot of holistic things and yoga. And uh, he, um, I forget if he went and played guitar for people doing yoga. If he did it with them i forget but it was uh yeah he's since moved away i don't know if you're on the podcast you got a one-third chance of moving away afterward or a one-third chance of going to costa rica (laughs) a lot of people okay we'll see how the stats work out a lot of people that have been on podcasts have gone to either gone to costa rica or just got back from it like uh i hit a streak where like three people in a row 
I'm like, hey, what have you done lately? And they say, well, I just got back from Costa Rica. I'm like, yeah, and I figured since you're on the podcast, you just got back from Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Wow. <laughs> All right, big thanks to Peter and Abby for being on the podcast. Uh, one more time, the name of the band is Day and Dream. The name of the album is The Art of Remembering. And you can find that at dayanddreamband.bandcamp.com. Also follow them on Instagram and Facebook. There'll be links in the show notes for that. And subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss part two, which will be coming out in several weeks. Speaking of subscribing to the podcast, you can do that at wncoriginalmusic.com or by searching WNC Original Music in the search bar of whatever podcast uh, platform you use. If you need to contact the podcast for some reason, you can email wncoriginalmusic at gmail.com. The closing song this week comes from Canadian-born but Ireland-raised Cormac Russell. He's released four albums so far, including last year's Ghost Town, which won some very favorable reviews, spelled with O-U-R. And his next album, The Year I Broke the Stars, is coming out October 28th. You can find his new song, Holes, on Spotify. Just search Cormac Russell, Holes, but also you can hear it right now. Here's Cormac Russell. Have a good week.
I have known who who really is the pickle on several occasions. 